This we're going to show comparing modern open source storage solutions, FreeBSD's first quarter status report for this year, Hello Systems 0.8.1 and what that release contains, OpenBSD managing an inverter converter with a NUT, tips for running a greener BSD from the FreeBSD Foundation, BSD CAN registration is open, and more in this week's episode of BSD Now. BSD Now, episode 506, A Greener BSD, recorded on the 26th of April 2023. Hello, I'm your host, Benedict Reuschling. And I'm Tom Jones. Uh, welcome, we are in... A recording mode and in the mood as well so let's get right into that right because we're looking into our headlines this week that are comparing modern open source storage solution uh, open zfs versus the rest so this sounds like uh, we against the rest of the world but it's yet another clara article that we like to have a quick look into so they start with the OpenZFS is well suited to address many of the modern storage challenges that organizations face today. It provides a highly scalable storage architecture that can support petabytes of data with a wide range of storage configurations, including RAID levels and the ability to add or remove disks from storage pools. But before we go into the specifics of OpenZFS and its potential competitors, let's take a step back and talk about what some of the modern storage needs are. And since Clara is a business, they kind of know these things. And that's why they say, what are the business and user demands of modern storage? So that the reader also knows that. So one of the greatest challenges of modern storage systems is managing the explosion of data that organizations are generating and collecting. You probably had the same problem as well in uh, your own uh, dealings. With the growth of data-driven applications, IoT devices, and other digital technologies, the amount of data being generated is increasing exponentially. And that is definitely not under uh, stating here. This represents or presents several challenges to modern storage systems. First, storage systems need to be able to accommodate the massive amounts of data that are being generated, right? Someone has to store those. This requires highly scalable and flexible storage architectures that can support petabytes or even exabytes of data. The second is storage systems need to be able to process and analyze this data in real time. This requires fast read and write speeds, as well as advanced analytics capabilities that can help organizations make sense of the data and derive insights. And the third, storage systems need to be able to ensure the security and privacy of this data. With the increasing threat of cyber attacks and data breaches, storage systems need to be able to provide strong data encryption, access controls, and other security measures to protect sensitive data. On top of all that, Storage systems need to be able to integrate with other technologies such as cloud computing platforms and data analytics tools. This requires flexible and open storage architectures that can easily integrate with other systems and provide seamless data access and management. So overall, managing the growth of data is one of the greatest challenges that modern storage systems face. Uh, but to address this challenge, storage systems need to be highly scalable, fast, secure, and interoperable. Interoperable 
kind of difficult here, uh, while also providing advanced analytics capabilities that can help organizations make sense of the data and derive those insights. So they have a little bit of introduction to OpenZFS. I guess this is nothing we need to read much um, into because if you've been following this blog or this podcast for any time, we have OpenZFS covered many, many times. And But what else is there beyond OpenZFS? So they compare a couple other storage uh, solutions, some traditional like RAID arrays or SANS, but there are others, a bit more modern ones. So they have ButterFS or BTRFS, uh, GlusterFS, uh, Ceph, Zadara Storage, and TrueNAS. So these are all compared and uh, introduced a little bit, each of those, so that you can kind of know what they have uh, in the uh, features in the storage area available, like the architecture or what kind of data integrity features they provide or how they perform actually. And they look at each individual solutions and in particular look at uh, Ceph versus OpenZFS in this article and make their conclusions out of it. So definitely check out this article if you want to have a general overview about the storage, open source storage solution landscape and how ZFS compares to those. Next up, we have the Q1 report for 2023 from the FreeBSD project. And this has been assembled by the Status team. And they write, here is the first Status report of 2023, including 25 reports. Um, we have our usual team reports, some news about cloud projects, and progress in source, ports, and docs trees, and more. We also provide some information about 13.2 release, which was postponed to the beginning of uh, 2023 Q2. But since this report is being published after the new version release, it is already be available for installation. Users of release versions can now take advantage of many improvements, such as better support for IWL Wi-Fi driver or the new RTW88 driver, topics that have been covered in past status reports. Have a nice read, Lorenzo Salvador, on behalf of the status team. Okay, and we're going to start with an update from the FreeBSD Foundation. Um, the FreeBSD Foundation writes, we finally have our 2022 fundraising numbers in, and we raised a total of $1.2 million. We were short of our goal, which forced us to pull around $74,000 from longer-term investments. Besides receiving a lot of donations from users and contributors, we received larger donations from Juniper, Meta, Arm, Netflix, Beckoff, Tarsnap, Modroom, Comb Family Foundation, and Stormshield. I'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you on behalf of the foundation to everyone, including individuals and contributions at corporations. This year, our budget is around $2.2 million, which includes increased spending towards FreeBSD advocacy and software development. More than half our budget is allocated towards work directly related to improving FreeBSD and keeping it secure. To fund the 2023 budget, we increased our fundraising goal and plan on using some of our investment money. When we received our first million dollar donation, the plan was to use up to 10% of it each year to increase our work to improve FreeBSD. So this has been part of our funding plan for a few years now. The 2023 budget is in process of being approved. This quarter, we received donations from Juniper, Tarsnap, Microsoft, and StormShield, so we're already off to a great start, but we definitely need more support for our planned efforts in 2023. And if you want to help out the foundation, you can reach out and give them money. Uh, but why would you do that? Well, during the first quarter of 2023, 226 source, 39 ports, and 12 doc tree commits identified the foundation as a sponsor. Some of this sponsored work is in separate entries, but smaller items include open SSH fixes um, and updates to versions 
9.2p1 and 9.3p1, a vendor import and update of libpcap to version 1.10.3, improvements to tempfs, msdosfs, and makefs, the addition of a new kq1 syscall, man page updates, dtrace and, dtrace and beehive fixes, and Linux KPI work. The foundation provides a full-time staff member and funds to improve continuous integration, automated testing, and overall project quality efforts for the for FreeBSD. You can read more about CA, the CI work in the dedicated entry. Um, and much of the effort is dedicated, much of our effort, FreeBSD Foundation, is dedicated to project advocacy. This may involve highlighting interesting FreeBSD work, producing literature and video tutorials, attending events, or giving presentations. The goal of the literature we produce is to teach people FreeBSD basics to help make their path to adoption or contribution easier. Other than attending and presenting events, we encourage and help community members run their own FreeBSD events, give presentations, or staff FreeBSD tables. The foundation sponsored many conferences, and this year includes uh, FOSDEM 2023, OpenCon, uh, ScaleX 20, Open Source 101, um, the May Developer Summit, which is upcoming. They've submitted a proposal for a workshop at FOSI in Portland, Oregon. Um, they're going to participate in GSOC, um, and they have also have a newsletter in case you want to know even more, and they have some blog posts. So if you want to see more from what the foundation's been doing, you can check out their report there. Oh, yeah, definitely do that. We have updates from the cluster admin team. The cluster admin team are responsible for managing the machines the project relies on to synchronize its distributed work and communications. In this quarter, the team has done regular support, done um, disk and part support for physical hosts and members, improved the PowerPC package builders with new parts obtained through the FreeBSD Foundation. The builders now have new NVMe, hard, um, NVMe storage with heat sinks and more memory. It helps solve some of the heat issues they were seeing and they are building packages faster. Decoupled dynamic resources from the main website and they have some larger in-scale upgrade projects in process. In continuous integration, in the first quarter of 2023, we worked with project contributors and developers to address their testing requirements. Concurrently, we collaborated with external projects and companies to enhance their products by testing more on FreeBSD. Uh, important tasks are ARCH64 KASAN tests, AMD6413 KASAN tests, um, AMD64 GCC build now sends failing reports to committers whose commits may be related, uh, miscellaneous bugs and fixes, um, and testing CI updates um, were presented at Asia BSDCon 2023. Uh, this is a big report. There have been other updates. So in userland, there have been improvements to Daemon by um, Ihor Antonov um, and Kyle Evans. There have been a ton of kernel updates. And so snapshots enabled on file systems using journaled soft updates in 13.2. Uh, if you want to know more, contact Kirk McCusick. Uh, the ability to make UFS FFS file system snapshots when running with journaled soft updates and using them for doing background dumps in a live file system was merged into Relang's 13.2 during the first quarter of 2023 and lands in FreeBSD 13.2 release. Background dumps are requested by using the dash L flag. Being improvements to the kernel instruction dtrace provider, which allows you to instrument instructions inside the kernel. And there's an example there. Been work on native, native timer FD from Jake Freeland. The native timer, the timer FD facility is a set of Linux standard system calls that operate on interval timers. These timers are analogous to per process timers, but are represented by a file descriptor rather than a process. These file descriptors may be passed to other processes preserved across fork and may be monitored with k event pull and select. A 
timer FD implementation in FreeBSD already exists for Linux compatibility, but this differential revision makes the interface native. The specific implementation avoids get, uh, adding new names to the system call table. Instead, timer FD create is wrapped by special FD system call. The timer FD get time and timer FD set time calls are wrapped by IO controls. Developers that wish to support FreeBSD using t uh, should avoid using timer FD. Uh, the KQEV filter timer is preferred for that. So this is to help to support Linux, I guess. Um, there's been KA sound on ARCH64, um, been improvements in BSD user, um, cloud improvements. So FreeBSD is a tier one cloud init platform. Mm -hmm. um, and Mina Gallic writes, cloud init is the standard way of provisioning servers in the cloud. Unfortunately, cloud init support for operating systems other than Linux is rather poor. And the lack of cloud init support on FreeBSD is a hindrance to cloud providers who want to offer FreeBSD as a tier one platform. To remedy the situation, the project aims to bring FreeBSD Cloud in it on par with Linux support. The broader plan is to lift support across all BSDs. This quarter has been going very, very slowly. Uh, I've been trying to port the InfiniBand functions, but this has proven difficult because it falsified my thesis that IF config is all I needed to filter out network interfaces on FreeBSD. While waiting for resources, I debugged a panic and got it fixed, and now it makes it possible to boot FreeBSD on LXD. Cloud in its CI platform. We still need to fix the high CPU usage problem, but there is an accepted review. Cloud init colleague who works for Azure managed to give me access to a HPC VM on Azure. Unfortunately, it was only for a limited time and there was not enough to figure out how to get InfiniBand up and running, a task handled by Azure agent on Linux. But FreeBSD Azure, uh, FreeBSD's SysUtils Azure agent is rather lacking. People interested in helping with this project could provide ifconfig, ibstat, IBVDev, etc., pastes from their InfiniBand systems. I'd be very happy about getting access to hardware the InfiniBand NICs or hearing from people successfully using FreeBSD on Azure HPC with InfiniBand. That's cool. Um, updates for OpenStack, um, documentation, um, a Russian documentation project, um, a request from Dan for help with SQL injection on freshports.org. Uh, and tons of other stuff. So if you want to know more about what the FreeBSD project has been up to at the start of 2023, go grab this stats report. It's a great read. Oh, yes. And definitely look out for the sections where they ask for help, either in testing or coding, any kind of specific things, because that helps these projects moving along and could be your entry point into the project or contributing to open source. Because we get this many times, like, how can I contribute certain ways? And a status report is one way of getting the foot in the door. All right, then we have news roundup this week, and we hear that a new Hello Systems is available. 0.8.1 is the release. And of course, the GitHub page starts with a nice screenshot but we go into the uh, description what the maintenance release addresses this time and this is about the core system uh, the usb tethering of android phones their wlan and cellular connectivity with hello system now just works excellent 5.1 audio systems like bose companion 5 usb now work out of the box swap is enabled by default on discs larger than 80 gigabytes and can be disabled in the installer if you do if you so desire Keyboard and language choice are now persistent in UEFI NVRAM, so you don't have to put them in every time or reset them to the ones you prefer or have. 
Then there's a section about the bootloader. They load the kernel and modules without showing text on screen. So that happens in the background and uh, doesn't give you much output. Boot in verbose mode if the V key is pressed. So you kind of remember this is similar to uh, an Apple device. You only see a black screen unless you press a key. Um, and this is probably similar to it. Boot in single user mode as well if you press the capital or the S key. So single S and verbose V. Uh, show also the FreeBSD bootloader menu if the backspace is pressed, so you can see more if you like, but uh, it doesn't have to show anything if you don't want to. Adjust colors for both single-user mode as well. Have changes in the user interface. USB sound devices are now shown with their vendor and model in the volume menu, so that you know which of your many sound cards is uh, doing the uh, <laughs> the audio. Handle already running installations more gracefully with trying to install applications and improved about this computer dialogue so that you know what you are dealing with. Uh, this also shows information about the X or GPU driver being used, which is important sometimes to know when you're looking for the next game to run or generally getting the uh, yeah graphics a bit better. The installed FreeBSD utility is now called Install Hello System to be consistent with the naming. Processes utility now shows total CPU and memory usage, and on and on. But applications and bug fixes are also uh, listed in the applications. They have the user's preferences. Application can now also create users without administrative rights, and can also delete users and enable and disable automatic login, and many other things. Improved usability of create live media utility, and under construction still, but started work on the backup utility that uses NFS send and receive to backup. Oh, nice. This is the pool user home directory or data center. In bug fixes, we have hardware probe now succeeds uploading. The list of sound devices is now updated when right clicking the volume menu. The dialog to enter a password now shows the correct text following the sudo ask pass text convention. And if the system is running on VirtualBox, do not show a message about virtualization. Okay, check it out. Okay, um, next up we have a short article on having OpenBSD manage an inverter converter with NUT. Um, having an Eton Ellipse Eco UPS, I use the NUT project, um, I don't know what, I think they use UPS, and network UPS tools uh, to manage it under OpenBSD on OpenBSD 7.3. And so to do this, you need to install a package with package add NUT. This comes with the NUT scanner tool, which can run to detect any UPS devices um, with a configuration file. Um, and then this article follows uh, the many steps it takes to discover and configure UPS mod to monitor the UPS, check on the batteries, um, and perform actions based on events from the inverter converter. And so if you have one of these or want to know how you could manage one of these, you should check out this article from our show notes. Oh, yes, definitely. Good to have in case power goes out for whatever reason, then you can run your own uh, system a little bit longer than your neighbors. Um, uh, going right uh, along with the next item about celebrating Earth Day, tips for running a Greener FreeBSD. That's on FreeBSD, FreeBSD Foundation's blog post. Language patterns are breaking down at uh, my side, at least. Um, no, here is something that is important. Since every year, since 1970, Earth Day has focused the world's attention on the need to act to protect our home. The green marble that's floating through space, right? Remember this one? Um, or if it's actually floating, well, gravity has its way of keeping things where they are. It's a vital call to action for every person and organization. 
The FreeBSD Foundation is committed to making FreeBSD the OS of choice for users seeking to reduce the environmental impact of computing. So we do this by continuously working to maximize hardware performance. This is a nice write-up uh, that you can see as a special link, network performance tuning. Performance just doesn't mean supporting extreme throughput like the much-discussed 400G gigabits per second of TLS encrypted traffic from a single server. It also means you can recycle low-power machines for modern purposes, and each of those are linked to extra articles that have been provided by the Foundation in the past. Uh, another is we are making FreeBSD easy to tune for energy efficiency. They have a couple docs available and a blog post about providing a nice summary for it. They also support energy-efficient architectures like AMD and the FreeBSD Foundation are collaborating for a while now uh, for FreeBSD to run on efficient uh, fourth-generation AMD EPIC processors. FreeBSD also has a long history of collaboration with ARM and was among the first to support the efficient ARM V8 architectures. They have separate docs linked from there as well to that end. And the OEMs like Broadberry provide FreeBSD servers on a number of architectures that uh, include the power uh, sipping Intel atoms. So that is another uh, area. We know there is more to do and we want to hear from you. Tell us about how FreeBSD can help you be a better steward of the planet. Maybe it controls your, I don't know, solar panels or whatever you have to save a little bit of uh, juice here and there and make the planet a bit greener. That's definitely something the foundation wants to hear about and we also want to hear about it. So if you like who sent this to us, then this is feedback at bsdnow.tv and we'll be happy to cover this in a future episode if you have like a blog post or something. But definitely also let the foundation know if you have a story about how FreeBSD has helped you to be more efficient and sustainable. Uh, and if you have data on energy savings and other efficiencies, even better. So that is uh, maybe a future blog post we'll see from the FreeBSD Foundation. That's cool. I don't know. I don't know how you get to the FreeBSD page from the rest of the Broadberry website, but I've never heard of them as a. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, is it Broadcom or is it Blackberry <laughs> or some mix up? But uh, it, it, it's a separate it's company. But they have an entire page um, covering the servers they support in FreeBSD, which is really cool. Uh, and links to buy things, which is even cooler because you don't see that very often. Okay, last in the news roundup is the. Um, announcement availability of registration for BSD CAN. And so as you listen to the show, BSD CAN is at the most a week away. Yep, the most very soon, a week yeah. away. And very, so very, very if soon. you are planning to come to Canada and you've forgotten to register, it's time to register. If you don't have your flights yet, you, you definitely need your flights. And if you're listening in June, then you're too late. Um, but maybe you'll hear a summary in a couple of weeks about what we've done. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Registration is open. Um it is possible to come for just one day of the conference, which is not that common for conferences. So if you're in the local area, but you only want to spend one day with a bunch of nerds rather than four, um, yeah, you can come through for one day. And the lead up to the event, there are tutorials, which are um, extra on top of the event, but there's also going to be a closing night party on the Saturday. Um, FreeBSD developers, there will be a FreeBSD Dev Summit on the Wednesday and Thursday before. So there's tons of stuff to do. Um, registration is in, in an enjoyable process it was definitely complicated um but yeah so if you want to come to bsd can you should register because maybe tickets will sell out and then how will you feel if you don't register uh, yeah we'll be has that ever happened before um there was uh, good question <laughs> there were a couple of bsd cans that were quite full but i think they never i mean they 
they could have ran out of swag. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, but not in recent years. So I guess we will be lucky. If, you, if, if sometimes We even have people who just walked up to, and hey, you have a BSD conference here? That's great. How can I attend? Well, you just have to that's, pay the that, money. That's here. cool. That's never going to occur in my <laughs> lifetime, is it? I'm never going to accidentally <laughs> stumble across a BSD conference and know what's happening. <laughs> and know what it's about, yeah. <laughs> They're too too so, wired yeah. in. I don't know how that could happen. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. We're, we're too close into it now. Yeah. I, I guess I could be like up a mountain somewhere and bump into a bu bunch of OpenBSD developers. But I think I'd be the closest thing. Like accidentally stumble into an OpenBSD hackathon's walking party. <laughs> yeah, that could be if they if these are people who are dragging their own uh, networking along, then that could be the OpenBSD crowd getting stuff. Uh, to a remote cabin somewhere. Okay, very good. So see you at BSD Can. And if you couldn't make it, then we'll be definitely covering the whole conference and our own experience on a future episode recording. All right, this brings us into the Beastie Bits this week. Remember SimCity 2000? Well, it turns out it's now running an OpenBSD 7.3 via DOSBox. And if you don't remember how it looked like and how Godzilla destroyed your whole city, then look at those screenshots on Reddit. Uh, we have a bit of nostalgia here. And speaking of tiny things, we also have uh, a bite-sized bite. Yeah, that's words uh, of OpenBSD with the OpenBSD website. And if this is too long for you, there's a TLDR at the start, but it's not too long for me, so I'm going to read it. Um, they're covering recent current changes, uh, including the X-only support, um, explanations about the new syscall mimutable, um, tightening in pledge for SSH, um, open ID 7.2. Interfaces can now be configured by MAC address using a hostname.mac. Uh, the installer now supports encrypted disk options, which is pretty cool. They have a big list of interesting new packages. Uh, shell tip. I suppose most OpenBSD users know about the command top. But do you know about the command sysstat? This command gives a lot of information about the system. It's a terminal user interface that allows changing views for different information. Running it as root will give you more information than, than you may not have as a simple user, like PF queuing or PF real-time statistics. It's a must-have for any OpenBSD sysadmin. Going further, uh, undeadly.org is now publishing RSS feeds of syspatches. You can buy a branded deck of the Unix pipe game. Um, you can, there was, there was some fuzzing of the OpenBSD ping command, a guide about explain, a guide explaining a dual boot setup with full disk encryption. I'm going to guess one of the dual boots is OpenBSD. Testing Rust and Modular 2 in GCC, KDE status reports, a guide to explaining how to set up your own LastPass, and then about 10 other things I'm going to skip over. And then uh, a note from Celine, who puts together the website. Um, late as usual. First, I never really figured out a way to know when it's time to release an issue. I prefer waiting for a lot of material to put in to make a beefy issue rather than scheduled issues without too much content. Second, writing the issue alone is taking time, usually a couple of hours to put everything together and proofread. And the way the web zine is, zine is done isn't helping much. The other zine I started for NixOS is much easier to maintain, but also lacks the soul as it's mostly generated from a template feed of links and titles. It suits NixOS style, but not OpenBSD, in my opinion. 
I've now started a Patreon, so you should go and support Celine. I'll maintain the webzine more seriously. In addition, I'd like to congratulate the OpenBSD community for being so vibrant with a deep culture of self-hosting and diversity. While writing this issue, I noticed most new ports were not GitHub projects and that most links were about self-hosting services. Hooray, you're an awesome community to interact with. And this issue came, issue came from Celine with artwork by Prahu. And many thanks to everyone else who put it all together and supports the idea. Thanks, Celine. I, I love the webzine. Yeah, definitely. It's a great effort to have such a website and the work you put into it is greatly appreciated. Okay, then our last item in the Beastie Bits is uh, AWS Gazobot. So what does this do? There's a little bit of a disclaimer at the top, this is a GitHub page, uh, and it says that this is a work in progress. I'm trying to create OpenBSD images from Linux, especially using ARM64 and RISC65 for AWS, since OpenBSD has no VMM support for ARM64 nor RISC64 yet. So the scripts to create, customize, and upload AWS images to the cloud. They have uh, they are based on the script created by Antoine Jacotot. And uh, the requirements list that uh, AWS is, of course, required, right? If you want to build this in AWS. A Linux machine like Debian, Ubuntu, Red Hat, Fedora are compatible. And an OpenBSD machine 7.2 or higher with SSH access. And they require QMU, Libvirt, and AWS client. And for the OpenBSD machine, the requirements are the Bash VMDK tools in AWS client. Okay, good to have OpenBSD available at least indirectly in the cloud and so that people can run something else than just the default that they provide. BSD now is sponsored by Tarsnap. Everyone needs backups and Tarsnap ensures that your backups are not only safe, but also secure. Your data is encrypted on your device before being sent to the cloud. You can be sure that only you have the ability to read your data. Tarsnap takes your data and works out what is duplicated so that band and then assembles the data into compressed blocks and creates them with your local private key. And this key never leaves your system. The data is then uploaded into the cloud. Even if someone is able to obtain your data in the cloud, they will not be able to decrypt it and access your files. Tarsnap is easy to use. If you can use Tar, then you can use Tarsnap. Tarsnap is prepaid, so you never have to worry about an unexpected bill. Tarsnap is fully open source, allowing you to inspect the code and make sure it does what we say it does. And Tarsnap has bug bounties, so that if you find errors in the code, you can get paid for helping make the software better. With clients on all major platforms, there's no excuse not to have good backups. Go to tarsnap.com to learn more. I guess that is uh, everything that we have for you today. We don't have feedback and questions in this one, but we we'll promise you we have a nice interview with a popular BSD person which we had a couple times on the show next week. So check out that one in anticipation for that. Uh, we'll then have our uh, little BSD can gathering, or hopefully not so little, and maybe our recording schedule will be a bit off by then, but we'll try to provide everything for you in case you can't make the conference. And then we'll be back with our usual recording schedule and bring you, of course, all the news and beastie bits and bigger pieces, if there are, from the conference and around the BSD world. The next time we speak, Benedict, will be in person. We'll, yes. We'll be actually in person. One. You'll be made out of meat. Right now, you're just oh. made of pixels and stuff. I don't, I don't even know if you're real. You might be an AI. I know, and I have a lower body, right? <laughs> Not just the top one. Like oh, wait, you'll have legs. <laughs> and your feet, you I have, and I use again. them regularly. We'll get to talk about your shoes. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that a lot even today. Only 
Uh, if only I get uh, like five euros G- G- for every time. JT's never met you, right? Me. Oh, he did. Yeah, we we met at. He did. Oh, so he knows about your yeah, feet. Yeah, he okay. knows that. Uh, but I could different. If the listeners would like to know about Benedict's feet, you'll have to come yeah, to PSD. Yeah, camp. I should probably bring different shoes every time, so people get more confused. No, that would mess with everyone. <laughs> Oh, well, it's great. We're going to see what's going to happen there.